Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. All right, listen, I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Here comes the smolder. This is kind of an off day for me. This doesn't normally happen. Fine, I'll take you to see the lanterns. Really? In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 198, Tangled. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And as always, hello, welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are a regular returning listener of this podcast, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. There are a lot of podcasts out there. They're all vying for your ears and your attention. And I'm just really happy that you're here. For the history and legacy of Tangled. This episode is the 13th and final episode of Animation Season 2023. And what a season it has been. There's been hand-drawn animation, CG animation, stop-motion animation, Disney, Pixar, Aardman, Tim Burton, Satoshi Kon, Cartman, Stan, Kyle, Kenny, Saddam Hussein, Satan, Were-Rabbits, Pirates, Llamas, Emotions, Gaslighting Mothers, and Tim Curry being very sexy. Just in case you don't know, the season has consisted of The Nightmare Before Christmas, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, Inside Out, South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut, The Emperor's New Groove, Perfect Blue, The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, A Grand Day Out, The Wrong Trousers, A Close Shade, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, a matter of loaf and death, and the final episode, this one, Tangled. And if you've listened to any or all of those episodes, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love doing animation season. It's something that I do every year. And I love doing it because I love highlighting, promoting, and making people aware of animation. A lot of people know that animation exists, clearly, because a lot of people watch these movies. But 
a lot of people think that these movies are just for children. They'll plonk their kids in front of them and their kids will have a great time. But these movies, just because they're animated, it does not mean they're just for children. And I find that animation often gets dismissed as just being for children. There are a couple of episodes this season, South Park and Perfect Blue, great examples, that are animated, but they're not actually suitable for children at all. Just because something's animated doesn't mean it's just for children. And just because something's animated, it doesn't mean that animation is a genre either. I like to do animation season because I like to dispel the myths surrounding animation. This podcast is not an animation podcast and it never has been an animation podcast. It never will be a purely animation podcast. But I find animation season so rewarding and so valuable for me as well because I get to watch all these amazing movies and find out all about the history and legacy of these movies and then tell you all about the history and legacy of these movies. So for me, it's a win-win situation. I am incredibly passionate about animation. I will obviously be moving on from animation season. The next episodes are going to be live action movies, but that does not mean that animation is over for the year. I am planning to pop some animated movies in and around the yearly schedule at some point. And the last five episodes of this podcast specifically were to celebrate the fourth birthday of this podcast. And I also want to say a huge thank you to everyone who did get in touch, who wished this podcast a happy birthday or just got in touch kind of over that week and just said hi and just let me know that they were listening to an episode on Wallace and Gromit. It really did genuinely mean the world to me. Those episodes were pretty big deals, actually. They took a while to put together. I took some time off work just to do all of those episodes. And obviously, I'm really happy with the reception to those episodes. And obviously, any excuse to highlight the wonderful work of Aardman. For this final episode of Animation Season, I wanted to end with something pretty spectacular, actually. And I wanted to end specifically with the most expensive animated movie of all time. Now, it is a record that is shared with another movie. It's shared with the 2019 Lion King remake, which is called a live action movie, but it's not. It's actually a CG movie, so technically it's animated. But Tangled and the 2019 Lion King movie officially cost the same, $260 million. But why is Tangled so expensive? Well, it's tale as old as time, quite literally. And the production started way back in 1996. So let's have a listen to the trailer for Tangled. Wow, I could get used to a view like this. Yep, guys, I want a castle. I'm a guy with some simple dreams. Are you guarding this? Yeah. But on this day, I was just looking for a place to escape. Then it hit me. In this tower lived a girl who'd been there a very long time. I'm prepared to offer you a deal. Deal? Look this way. I want to see the world, and not just from my window. First, I said, no can do. Then I said, let down your help. I can't believe I did this. Yay! Who's that? They don't like me. Let's just assume for the moment that everyone in here doesn't like me. Is there anything else I should know about you? I have magic hair that has to be protected. From whom? We want the girl with the magic hair. 
got to get one of these. Arms in. Arms in. Knees apart. Knees apart. Knees apart. I've waited my whole life for this day. What if it's not everything I dreamed it would be? Here they are. Run. You should know that this is the strangest thing I've ever done. Look out. That's a lot of hair. This is kind of an off day for me. This doesn't normally happen. Go. Live your dream. I will. Your dream stinks. I was talking to her. A long-lost princess with the longest hair imaginable, named Rapunzel, has spent her whole life in a lonely tower dreaming of the world waiting to discover it, but is constantly chastised by her mother, Gothel, who refuses to allow her to leave. When she finally starts to give up hope, a thief named Flynn Rider approaches Rapunzel's tower and agrees to take her to see the lanterns that appear every day on her birthday if she will return the satchel filled with stolen jewels, including the lost princess's shiny crown. Flynn and Rapunzel embark on a journey that they will never forget, and Rapunzel discovers who she really is, as well as that her mother is gaslighting her. Let's run through the cast of this movie. We have Mandy Moore as Rapunzel, Zachary Levi as Flynn Rider, aka Eugene Fitzherbert, Donna Murphy as Mother Gothel, Brad Garrett as Hookhand Thug, Ron Perlman as Stabbington Brother, and Jeffrey Tambor as Big Nose Thug. Tangled has a screenplay by Dan Fogelman, was based on Rapunzel by the Brothers Grimm, and was directed by Nathan Grenner and Byron Howard. And the story of Rapunzel starts, as always, with a story, but not the story of Rapunzel. Because there are many folk tales based on Thompson Type 310, the categorization of the fairy tales of the maiden in the tower. Rapunzel is the most famous, but the first was seemingly Italian poet and courtier, Gian Battista Basilius' story Petrucinella in 1634, in El Pentamarone Le Cunto de la Cunti, literally translated to The Tale of Tales. The Brothers Grimm based their German dark fairy tale on the French literary fairy tale Percinet by Charlotte Rose de Cormont de la Force, which she wrote in 1698, published in her book Les Contes de Contes, again literally translated to Tales of Tales, Percinet meaning Little Parsley. Each story slightly differs as to the background of the maiden in the tower, her powers, but fundamentally it's a baby born to a couple who steal parsley from the garden of an ogress or a fairy, and then they give away their child as payment. The child grows up, has extremely long hair, and a prince comes about and they start a secret romance. The fairy slash ogress finds out about the romance and banishes the girl, luring the prince to the tower before he falls from the window and is blinded, Eventually, the prince and the girl find each other, his blindness is cured, and they live happily ever after. That's not quite the story of Disney's multiple attempts to get Rapunzel off the ground, though. And it starts with Walt himself, because in the late 1930s, after the studio released Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, he wanted to adapt other fairy tales, and Rapunzel was one of the ones under consideration. It's unknown exactly what work was done by Walt and his team, but ultimately the story faltered mostly due to the majority of the story taking place in a tower. Rapunzel would stay on ice for over 50 years, and in the mid-90s, 
Legendary Disney animator Glenn Keane, who worked on The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and The Rescuers Down Under, had an idea in 1996 to make a Rapunzel movie. And while he was working on Tarzan, he pitched an idea to then Disney chief Michael Eisner about a traditional hand-drawn animated princess movie based on Rapunzel. Eisner, who was obviously seeing the Toy Story effect over at Pixar, agreed but wanted the film to be computer-generated. Glenn Keane, though, was a traditionalist. He had spent his formative years at Disney learning from the renowned Nine Old Men, the pioneering animators who had created the studio's distinctive style. In order to achieve the best of both worlds, he reasoned it could be possible to combine the conventional hand-drawn animation's softer, more romantic appearance with computer-generated imagery. He loved hand-drawn animation, and in response to Eisner's request, Keane hosted a seminar titled The Best of Both Worlds, in which he discussed the advantages and disadvantages of each artistic approach with 50 of Disney's CGI and traditional animators. After the meeting, it was decided to use 3D computer-generated animation for the movie, but to do so in a way that would maintain the traditional 2D Disney aesthetic, which referred to the naturalistic animation that complied with the fundamental principles of animation as described by Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston in the book The Illusion of Life, Disney Animation, and then Shrek came along. And when I say that Shrek changed animation, it really did change animation. I've done an episode on Shrek. Check that out for more on how and why Shrek changed animation. It's something that I mentioned in the recent episode on Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, because that movie was deemed a failure by DreamWorks in the US market because it wasn't Shrek, and it didn't get the same reception that Shrek did. In October 2003, Disney announced Rapunzel Unbraided. It had a 2007 release date, and it was going to be a very untraditional story in the vein of Shrek, focusing on a couple of teenagers in modern-day San Francisco named Claire and Vince, who are two vastly opposite teenagers who can't stand each other. Claire is a short-haired, fashion-obsessed teen, concerned with her looks, and Vince is stocky and crude, a pizza delivery boy on hard times. The two of them get on each other's nerves, which gets the attention of Lucretia in the fairy tale realm. Evil Queen Lucretia takes Rapunzel and her prince Beau and transforms them into a squirrel and a dog, respectively, while Claire and Vince find themselves filling their roles. Claire and Vince eventually team up with Rapunzel and Beau to defeat Lucretia and return to their respective places in time. In July 2004, Reese Witherspoon and Kristen Chenoweth were in talks to portray roles with the latter intended to voice Rapunzel. In October 2005, Dan Fogler was stated to provide a voice. Rapunzel Unbraided was set to be directed by Glenn Keane, but Unbraided's release date was postponed in November 2005 to summer 2009 so that Keane would have more time to develop the plot. The project was subsequently put on hold in January 2006 when Michael Eisner stepped down from Disney approximately a week before John Lasseter and Ed Catmull were given control of the company when Disney purchased Pixar. One of their first moves was to revive the project and ask Keane to continue with Rapunzel Unbraided. In April 2007, Annie Award-winning animator and story artist Dean Wellens was announced to be co-directing Rapunzel Unbraided with Glenn Keane. Now if you're thinking, this idea for Rapunzel Unbraided sounds a little bit like Enchanted, or specifically the opposite of Enchanted, then you're not wrong because the concepts are very similar, including a hybrid mix of live action and animation. Many sources stated that it was a quasi-sequel to Enchanted, 
but it seems unlikely as Enchanted came out in 2007. And from what I can tell, they were two totally separate projects that just resembled each other slightly. My episode on Enchanted is episode 161, by the way. Rapunzel and Braided, under Keen and Wellins, would become Rapunzel, drastically different to Rapunzel and Braided, closer to the Hunchback of Notre Dame in tone, with Rapunzel unable to speak, and a male character called Bastion, who, in his gentle giant phase, after originally looking like a pirate, looks remarkably like the character of Kristoff from Frozen. Rapunzel would spend the majority of the movie in the tower, leaving in the last act, and Mother Gothel would be a traditional sinister villain, the whole project would have the look of Rembrandt paintings. Rapunzel, as the more traditional Disney non-musical animated film it was morphing into, seemed to be going forward. And then Glenn Keane suffered a heart attack in 2008, requiring him to step down as director. This wasn't made public until after the release of Tangled, and at the time Disney said he was stepping down due to other commitments, leading co-director Dean Wellings to also step down. Rapunzel was again in limbo, but the project would live on as something new. Replacing Glenn Keane and Dean Wellings as directors were Byron Howard and Nathan Greno, director and storyboard director respectively of Disney's 2008 animated feature Bolt. Keane would stay on in an executive producer and animation supervisor role, and Wellings stayed as additional story artist and would go on to work as a story artist for Frozen, Big Hero 6, Zootopia, Moana and Ralph Breaks the Internet before becoming director of pre-production on Raya and the Last Dragon. It may not have had as obvious a cancellation as Kingdom of the Sun, which would become The Emperor's New Groove, that's episode 190, but Disney effectively scrapped Rapunzel and Braided and Rapunzel at this point and pretty much started again. Like Kingdom of the Sun retaining what worked in the previous attempt, Bastion, who was a thief in Rapunzel, would become Flynn Rider, a thief in Tangled. But rather than the princess being the main focus of the story, as it is traditionally for most princess movies, Rapunzel and Flynn would share screen time, which had its own repercussions and controversies going forward. Mother Gothel would also stay, this time as a gaslighting, abusive, manipulative mother figure for Rapunzel. But the real kicker now was the time constraints. Because Rapunzel had now been in production since 2003, officially. It was now October 2008, and Byron Howard and Nathan Grenow had two years to get Rapunzel out the door. But luckily, Glenn Keane and the previous Rapunzel team had made some real advances in computer animation. During some experimentation, Keane became enthusiastic about the potential to transform computer animation and make it appear less stiff and plastic. Just figuring out how to make Rapunzel's 140,000 individual hair strands react realistically in a variety of diverse contexts required six years of software development by senior software engineer Kelly Ward, who has a PhD in computer animating human hair. At one point, animators walked the halls with a football helmet, hooked a 70-foot fishing line to see how it moved. Keane highlighted the value of golden poses, moments that capture a character's essence in just one image, as well as solving creative issues with mathematics. In the early days of CG, the animation principle had been abandoned and Keane believed it was essential to recapture Disney's distinctive look. And even when Keane was forced to step back from the production for his health, Rapunzel would remain true to the fundamental goal of what he was attempting to do with his animation style, update the princess movie while maintaining its historic significance. But the 70 foot of hair was a real struggle. Even up to January 2010, only nine months before the film's release, they were unsure whether the hair would work. 
There are plenty of videos on YouTube of run-throughs of the program only for Rapunzel's hair to glitch. In the end, science would fill in the gaps. Discrete differential geometry was used to perfect the hair using an improved version of dynamic wires, which had been originally developed for Bolt. This meant Rapunzel's hair moved the desired way and also interacted with water, believably. 40 pounds of virtual hair, 140,000 individual strands were condensed to 47 individual tubes. The animator's primary objective was to produce movement that resembled the supple fluidity of the hand-drawn animation shown in earlier Disney hand-drawn animated features. Kyle Strowitz, a Disney 3D animator, is acknowledged by Keane with contributing to the integration of CGI with the conventional hand-drawn technique. The 3D team took an aesthetic approach rather than concentrating on reality, and they accomplished this using a novel method known as multi-rigging, which consists of several pairs of virtual cameras. Each pair is applied independently to each distinct component that gives a scene depth, such as the background, foreground, and characters, without accounting for how those elements relate to the other pairs. And while I think it's unfair to compare the style of Tangle to previous attempts by Disney, I'm thinking Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, considering Tangle is only five and three years removed from both, just goes some way to show, I think, how much they valued Tangled and that the idea to make it CG wasn't just considered the easy route. Compared to what they did with The Princess and the Frog, which is gorgeous and such a wonderful return to form for hand-drawn animation, and I'm so sad that we didn't get more hand-drawn animation like The Princess and the Frog. I will always be incredibly sad about that. Considering the original cast for Rapunzel and Braid, it would have been the likes of Reese Witherspoon and Kristen Chenoweth. The filmmakers wanted to hire an unknown for the part of Rapunzel in Tangled. Hundreds of young women auditioned, including Adina Menzel, who'd go on to play Elsa in Frozen. Mandy Moore, who at the time was primarily known for her early 2000s music career, she would actually go on to star in The Princess Diaries in 2001 alongside Anne Hathaway and in romantic drama A Walk to Remember in 2002. In 2006, she voiced the character Nita in Brother Bear 2, the directed DVD sequel to Disney's Brother Bear. She originally chose not to audition for Tangled because it was an incredibly sought-after role and she didn't want to be disappointed. She decided to audition anyway and was chosen due to her down-to-earth girl-next-door quality but also had the inner strength that suited Rapunzel. Mandy Moore was also a long-time Disney fan and basically felt that the casting was a dream come true. Zachary Levi, most well-known as the lead of the TV show Chuck, heard about the project, but there was a problem because Flynn Rider was originally supposed to be British and the studio had insisted that only UK actors apply for the role of Flynn. Zachary Levi, an American, faked a British received pronunciation accent during his audition, which led the producers to choose him and also tell him to use his American accent instead for the role. While Moore and Levi didn't record their lines together with them both having busy schedules, they would record I See the Light together meeting for the very first time. I See the Light would also have 45,000 individually lit lanterns, which would light up the same way as Rapunzel's hair. The entire kingdom of Corona, Yes, the kingdom is called Corona, with its 3,000 inhabitants, was more people on screen than any other Disney movie, and it would be partially based on the entrances of Walt Disney World and Disneyland California. And Pascal, he was based on animator Kelly D. Lewis's pet chameleon, also named Pascal. Lewis didn't work on Tangled, she actually worked on The Princess and the Frog, but she is credited in the With Thanks section. 
And it's a shame I don't have an obligatory Pascal reference because Pedro is right there. But otherwise, what about an obligatory Keanu reference? Because every episode I try to link the movie that I'm featuring somehow with Keanu Reeves. And when they were designing the character of Flynn Rider, they had something called the Hot Man Meeting. This was where all of the female employees at the studio were asked what attributes make a man attractive. Concept art and photos of various male celebrities, including Johnny Depp, Hugh Jackman, Brad Pitt, David Beckham and Gene Kelly, adorned the walls of this meeting. I haven't found any record of Keanu Reeves being part of this meeting, but I'm pretty certain that in a hot man meeting, the Keanu Reeves would have been there. And I'm sorry, but the smolder? That's a Keanu Reeves smolder right there. I know he doesn't do it very often, but that is a Keanu Reeves smolder. That is how I link this movie to Keanu Reeves is he's a hot guy and he smolders. And yes, the obligatory Keanu references are sometimes that vapid. I've mentioned Enchanted a couple of times in this episode for good reason, because this movie in its original form being very similar to Enchanted. But Alan Menken would finish his score for Enchanted and then be called up about doing the same for Tangled, as well as the songs. He hadn't worked on a Disney animated film since Home on the Range. Glenn Slater wrote lyrics for most of the tracks on the album, except for the closing credits song, Something That I Want, which was written, composed and performed by Grace Potter from Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. It was also Enchanted's three nominations for Best Original Song that led to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences decreasing the allowed limit per film too. It was decided to submit only one song from Tangled for the award to avoid them potentially both cancelling each other out. Ultimately, I See the Light would be nominated for the Best Original Song Oscar, but it would lose out to We Belong Together from Toy Story 3. And I've also mentioned The Princess and the Frog. The Princess and the Frog came out the year before Tangled. The Princess and the Frog is a beautiful movie. It's a glorious return to traditional hand-drawn animation for the studio. It's unfortunately a short-lived return. It also features the first black princess, Tiana. The Princess and the Frog is definitely going to be a future episode of this podcast, I can guarantee it. From The Princess and the Frog, the studio originally considered releasing at least one hand-drawn animated film every two years, but this would unfortunately not come to pass. Despite Tangled and Frozen, both having a distinct hand-drawn visual style and the ideas for both Tangled and Frozen starting out as hand-drawn animated movies. And the reason for this was Disney felt that The Princess and the Frog had failed to do the business that it thought it would. And the reason they felt this was, was the fact that the title alluded to a princess and a frog. But Disney execs just focus on the princess part here. And Disney felt this excluded boys and men from wanting to see the movie. This is four quadrant appeal. So appealing to men, women, and both over and under 25s. The Disney executives felt naming the movie Rapunzel alienated men over and under 25. And while Rapunzel didn't mention the word princess, it did focus on the female princess protagonist. And so in order to avoid the same fate of the princess and the frog befalling Rapunzel and to accommodate Flynn Rider as the co-protagonist, Disney decided to change the name of the movie from Rapunzel to Tangled and released a trailer highlighting the male love interest, which gave the movie the appearance of an action comedy as opposed to a romantic musical. Disney did everything it could to separate Tangled from the studio's historical princess output 
rather than connecting its 50th animated film to a renowned lineage that dates back to Snow White. It's worth adding they did exactly the same with Frozen. Instead of calling it Anna and the Snow Queen, as originally planned, in fact, Tangled and Frozen cross paths so often during production, I might also pop Frozen in for next animation season because it's another interesting production and it would be the success of Tangled which led to Disney announcing the name change to Frozen. Tangled premiered in Paris on the 17th of November 2010 and released wide in the US on the 24th of November 2010, the same week as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 which meant Tangled debuted at number four that week. It jumped to second in its second week, again against Harry Potter, which it would dethrone in its third week. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, Tangled would cost $260 million, the most expensive animated movie at the time, and still jointly the most expensive animated movie of all time. The pressure was on for it to perform and at least break even. It made $86.1 million in its opening weekend, it would make $200.8 million domestically in the US and $391.6 million internationally for a total worldwide gross of $592.5 million, making it the third highest grossing animated film of 2010 behind Shrek Forever After and Toy Story 3 and the eighth highest grossing film of 2010. While it wouldn't completely recoup its costs from the box office, it would earn an, an additional $95 million in DVD and Blu-ray sales on its release in 2011 in the US and Canada. It would become the highest grossing DVD of the year. As of January 2016, it earned $250 million in home video sales in the US and Canada alone, $155 million from the DVD and $60 million from the Blu-ray. And as I mentioned, it was nominated for Best Original Song for I See the Light at the 83rd Academy Awards, but not for Best Animated Feature, which seems a little harsh, but it was a good year for animation with Toy Story 3, How to Train Your Dragon and The Illusionist nominated. Toy Story 3 would, of course, win the award. It was also nominated for two Annie Awards for Best Animated Feature Film and Writing in a Feature Production, two Golden Globes for Best Animated Feature Film and Best Song for I See the Light, as well as two Grammys for Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media and Best Song Written for Visual Media for I See the Light, and it would win the Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media. Disney did push for a sequel to Tangle, but as it finished pretty succinctly with her hair being cut, production team agreed that a sequel wasn't something they were interested in doing. A short film in 2012, Tangled Ever After, serves as a sequel revolving around the wedding of Rapunzel and Eugene, Tangled Before Ever After was a TV movie that aired in 2017, a series called Tangled the Series during its first season and Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure for its second and third seasons was announced in 2015 and debuted in 2017, an abridged stage adaptation called Tangled the Musical premiered on board the Disney Magic of the Disney Cruise Line in November 2015, featuring three new songs written by Alan Menken and Glenn Slater. And in February 2020, news broke of Disney attempting a live-action remake of Rapunzel, with a script by Ashley Powell. No news on whether it's a remake of Tangled or a brand new adaptation of the Rapunzel story, but since there's been no news for three years and nothing on Ashley Powell's IMDb page for it, I think we can safely say that maybe this has died a death. Let's move over to some social media thoughts. I like to find out what people think of the movies that I feature, and I like to ask the patrons, and I also like to ask on social media. 
We're going to start with the patrons and we're going to start with perennial commenter Andy. And Andy says, What is more amazing about Tangle isn't its fantastic songs, its great voice acting and its ushering in a new golden age for Walt Disney Animation after years of disasters like Home on the Range, Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons. No, it's about how the legacy of this movie was not only not being completely overshadowed by Frozen, but only increased. A moderate hit when it was released, it now occupies that great space for family viewing as a double feature. You can see how the risks taken in Tangle translated to Frozen, and it still stands as a top-tier Disney animated feature. And I know for a fact that Andy's Podcast Geek Salad have done a retro review on Tangled. I am going to be putting a link to that on social media once I do the promos for this episode. So you should absolutely watch that retro review that they put out on YouTube. It's not Andy, it's Mike who did that review. Obviously, you should also listen to Geek Salad. It's a great group of people on that podcast and they basically talk anything and everything to do with geek, including Disney movies. I know they're big fans of animation over at Geek Salad. I'll put some information in the show notes for Geek Salad. Please go and listen to their podcast. We have another patron comment from Ali who says, I took my elder daughter to see Tangled at the cinema when it first came out in 2010. She is now 16 and there's not a week that goes by where we don't quote it or sing a song. The story, songs and humour are spot on. I would love to hang out in the snuggly duckling one day. Yay! And we have a patron comment from Sunny who says, Tangled was a lot of fun. My kids enjoyed watching it too. I loved that she had magic hair that was activated by a certain song. Her mother Gothel was a trip, the worst mother ever. She gaslit and lied. Mother does not know best. And speaking of lies, that's quite an interesting segue because Sonia and her sister Brandy host a podcast all about liars, frauds, cheaters, fakes, probably gaslighters as well. And we all want to avoid those people, don't we? Their podcast is called Book of Lies. They've actually just celebrated their fourth birthday as well. So go and have a listen. Wish them a happy fourth podcast birthday. I'll put some information in the show notes for Book of Lies. We have a patron comment from Brendan who says, A return to basics from a studio that has spent nearly a decade adrift. Tangled sold itself as We Made Dreamworks, but instead delivers an old school fairy tale musical, just enough of a modern beat, and some of the most impressive character animation in the medium. And the final patron comment comes from Brett who says, it was the beginning of a new age of animation for Disney, and it nailed everything they set out to do. The animation is gorgeous, the voice acting is fantastic, the music is great, and it's memorable even if Frozen is talked about more. It again takes an already existing story and adds some new elements to make it more interesting and fun. And I'm also going to pop in the show notes some information on Brett's podcast. He is joined by Dan and Angela, and their podcast is called Dissect That Film, and they dissect that film. It's basically movie retrospectives, new releases, even TV show discussions on there. Information in the show notes for dissect that film. Moving over to Twitter, we'll start with at arguing W myself, who says, As a guy in my mid cough tees, I loved it since day one. The look, the songs, everything. Just hit. My daughter at a certain age even looked like a young Rapunzel. Side note, on a recent trip to Disney, she got to meet Rapunzel. At Toon My Heart said, Though I was sad to see Disney abandoning 2D animation, their first 3D princess movie won me over with its humour and heart. One of the best Disney couples, hilarious animal sidekicks, a truly disturbing villain, beautiful music and animation, fantastic voice work, and more make it one of my very favourite Disney films. 
which is why I made it the subject of my own second podcast episode. I also highly recommend the follow-up TV series, which features charming 2D animation and even more amazing songs, one of which earned Alan Menken EGOT status. At Dude What Pod said, Tangled is an underrated movie as far as Disney animation goes. The storyline, the characters, the music, the colour choices were all superb, a fun and whimsical adventure. At SWA Productions said, One of my favourite animated movies ever, probably in my top three animated Disney flicks. At And Why Not Pod said, I adore this film. The songs, especially I Got to Dream, are superb, as are the performances, script and the comedy, one of Disney's best. My eldest son used to watch it on repeat when he was a toddler. He also swore at Flynn Rider in Disneyland Paris, but that's a different story. At Corona T said, I love Tangled. I find Rapunzel refreshing and fearless while also being the right amount of suspicious, especially of Flynn, who is charming, hilarious and worthy of some suspicion. This is one of the few Disney princess films I'll watch often. Love it. At Next to the Isle said, Better than Frozen, better voice cast and better told story. At Empower1980 said, I find it good but have never been able to see it as the masterpiece so many claim it to be. There's something about it that feels off in some places, though I also find it hard to watch given Gothel's stuff like this. At Binge underscore Lord underscore Dan said, I think it's an underrated gem. The voice work is outstanding. It subverts your expectations and there's a recurring visual gag that chef's kiss. At Richie F6 said, Great movie. For me, this was a turning point for Disney after having a dip in some of their classics through the noughties. At Rachel Herrera 11 said, Tangled is one of the most underrated Disney animated films ever. It has everything. Great music, romance, although a little unconventional, funny and an animal sidekick, Maximus the Horse is brilliant. At J-Rad Concessions said, Huge return to form for Alan Menken. The songs are fire. Moving over to Instagram, we have at Friendly Sparpod who said, I had been putting off watching this movie for a long time, just didn't seem like something I'd be interested in. Finally broke down and watched it a few months ago, and boy was I wrong. The characters are compelling, the songs are incredible, and the writing is so good. Love this movie. And the final comment over on Facebook is from Nicole who said, Took my first niece Rachel, who was four years old, to this movie. It was her first cinema experience. 12 years later, it's still one of her favourites and it has become her comfort movie. And a huge thank you, obviously, to everyone for your comments on Tangled. So many comments for this movie. A lovely variety of comments too. But overall, I think it goes to show that people really do adore this movie. And obviously, if you do want your comment read out on this podcast and you can also get a shout out as well, go on social media. You can find me at Verbal Diorama, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of the others. There's, there's so many. Find the comments post. They normally go up on a Friday now and pop your comment in and I will read it out in the episode. It's interesting when you think of where fairy tales start and where they end up when they become Disney-fied. I think there's generally a bit of a consensus that Disney often mutes its fairy tales and it makes them a bit more cutesy and a bit more kitsch. But Rapunzel's physical confinement is emphasised in the original fairy tale, whereas in Tangled, it focuses more on mental incarceration. And it's something that you would not expect a Disney movie to focus on. Rapunzel has learned to utilise her hair as the ultimate multi-tool, making it possible for her to fairly quickly escape her tower. 
Rapunzel, however, was brought up by the cunning Mother Gothel to believe the outside world is hostile, filled with criminals who want to harm her. She is fully reliant on her mother for both physical and mental protection, since Gothel has gaslighted her daughter into thinking she is incapable of caring for herself. Because not all parent-child relationships are healthy and nurturing and loving, and parents can be toxic too. Mother Knows Best is a huge Broadway-style musical piece by Gothel. It's both a humorous parody of passive-aggressive parenting and a genuinely unsettling examination of psychological manipulation. You can see Rapunzel doubting her mother, wanting to go out into a world that could be dangerous, but possibly not. Trusting your gut is always going to be a good thing. How can such a terrible world offer such beauty on her birthday every year? It is naive, yes, but also Rapunzel subconsciously realises that what her mother is doing is wrong. And Rapunzel's joy of finally being out of her tower is juxtaposed with her anxiety, guilt and terror at how this is going to affect her mother. And it highlights really effectively how emotional abuse affects its victims and how much power it wields over abuse survivors. Gothel disguising her comments and put-downs as love she degrades Rapunzel and chastises her for not appreciating the joke. She gives backhanded compliments, she belittles and insults. Disguised as teasing and I love you enough to tell you the truth about these things, it's designed to chip at Rapunzel's self-esteem to keep her subservient. And it happens far too often in the real world. And if Rapunzel feels sad about any of these things, then Gothel invalidates her legitimate feelings. It also goes some way, though, to prove how strong and resilient Rapunzel actually is. Despite all of this, she escapes the tower with a stranger who she hits over the head with a frying pan. The audience sees Rapunzel's strength more than Rapunzel does because she's been so degraded by 18 years of living with her quote-unquote mother, her abuser. Rapunzel finally standing up to her mother is the culmination of her story. And Flynn, who at the start is very vain and very shallow, gives up his life to save hers, and that's the culmination of his story. With Rapunzel becoming a TikTok COVID icon, if you know, you know, it feels like Tangled came back into public consciousness, if only for a brief moment. While on the outside, it's a fun, bright, gorgeous animation hearkening back to Walt's love of fairy tales, the best movies discuss themes that aren't so obvious on the surface. No one expected a smart, subversive take on Disney princess tropes, that also talks about toxic parenting and the effects emotional abuse can have. And for all that Frozen did for Disney, giving it its first billion dollar franchise, the songs, and the exploration of sisterly love, which is terrific, by the way, Tangled did something much more substantial. Without Tangled, we wouldn't have Frozen. And Tangled's complex exploration of emotional abuse could easily make way for Encanto's take on generational trauma and family dynamics. We expect more from our movies than surface-level laughs, and we expect more from Disney princesses than being damsels in distress. Having dual protagonists in both Rapunzel and Flynn feels like a risky move, but I think that despite Frozen's popularity, Tangled endures in the lexicon more. Its themes still feel relevant. It still looks stunning and barely aged its 13 years at all. Tangled's storytelling later influenced the Disney movies that came after, just as it was obvious that Tangled drew creative inspiration from works like Aladdin, Enchanted and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Frozen owes Tangled a great deal of gratitude. 
in essence, the movie that encouraged us all to let it go basically divides the dualities of Rapunzel's personality between its two leads, the repressed Elsa and the naively upbeat Anna. Although Frozen got plaudits for its sister sense of strategy, Tangle is a much more thematically nuanced movie. It transforms princess cliches into an artistically and emotionally complex work of modern animation, as well as a rather good romantic comedy. And it's also got a horse that fights with a sword. I mean, what more do you want from your Disney animations? Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Tangled. And if you do want to get involved and you want to help this podcast grow, then you could leave a rating or review wherever you found this podcast. You could tell your friends and family about this podcast and about this episode. Or you could retweet or like posts on social media. I am at Verbal Diorama. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, Hive post mastodon the others there's so many i've joined so many recently every time a new social media comes up i join it i will keep you all updated as to where i am but those are the main ones that i'm at at the moment if you like this episode on tangled then you might also like well i've mentioned it a couple of times so i just thought i'd recommend episode 161 enchanted because it's a princess movie and it's a subversive princess movie and it's a lot of fun I love Amy Adams. So if you love Amy Adams, you will love Enchanted. And we could have got Rapunzel and Braided at some point, and it could have been very similar to Enchanted. So the links are there. An episode that I did on Moana, that's episode 55. Oh, there was my episode on Shrek, which is episode 79. I've talked a little bit about Shrek this episode. Oh, and if you don't want a Disney princess movie, you instead want a Fox princess movie. Then episode 138, Anastasia. Why not? Obviously, give me feedback. Let me know what you think of my recommendations. They're a bit of a hodgepodge this week, I grant you, but I've covered so much Disney in the past that it just seems silly to list every single Disney movie I've ever done. So the next episode, I'm actually going to be taking a bit of a break because I've just done 13 episodes in two months. So I'm going to take a break week. Break week's happen occasionally but it's always good to have a bit of downtime for a week and then I'm going to do the furthest thing from Tangled but instead of telling you about it I'm going to show you what I'm doing we're not worthy we're not worthy we're not worthy we're stuck we suck yeah that's what I'm doing and I hope you're excited because I am Obviously, this podcast is free and it always will be free. And just by listening, you are supporting this podcast. So thank you so much. But if you do want to support me financially, you can do so at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And you can join the amazing patrons of Verbal Diorama. They are Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Fern, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Will, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sunny, Drew, Nicholas, Zoe, Kev, Keith, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, Stu and Brett. And they let me out of this tower at least once a week. So I'm so grateful to the patrons for allowing me to leave my tower. I have a merch store. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. I also have an email address. It's verbaldiorama at gmail.com. And I have a website, verbaldiorama.com. You can find me at all of those places. You can also find me at filmstories.co.uk. You can buy issues of the magazine that I write in. And you can also see articles that I write online as well. And finally... I can't believe I did it!
did this! I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this! <laughs> Mother would be so furious. But that's okay, I mean, what she doesn't know won't kill her, right? Oh my gosh, this would kill her. This is so fun! I am a horrible daughter. I'm going back. human being. Best day ever! Bye!